You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Rona, some day baseball here on a Wednesday. Some early games, some late games. And uh, let's get it started today with uh, Soto hitting a home run. Yeah, Soto, very impressive. He just hit a three-run homer, and there might have been some doubts for some people because he came into the league so young last year. But when you have an approach at the plate like he does, he had the OVP that was very high at a young age, very limited minor league experience, uh, special player. And you still have to take him in the second, third round this year. Uh, I didn't get him in any draft, but I do have him in a keeper league. He was uh, basically cheap and uh, really happy to have him. And, you know, they need him to be a big piece of this lineup. But his approach at the plate is just so impressive for a guy so young. And uh, he's looked really good so far. All right, so as we were talking about the Phillies playing the Nationals, the Nationals are winning 6-2 in the bottom of the third. That's right, 6-2. Aaron Nola had two and a third innings, six earned runs, including three home runs to Zimmerman, Rendon, and Soto. So if you have Aaron Nola out there, I'm sorry. This is not a really good outing. But, Adam, I am a little worried about... um, Trey Turner here uh, going to the IL with a fractured index finger. Um, I'm hoping for weeks, but it, it could be longer. Yeah, it's probably going to be at least a, a month would be my guess. You might be looking at four to six weeks, and it's a, a really difficult injury because it's hard to replace what Trey Turner does because people drafted him, especially in the high stakes in the main event where you're playing for an overall bank in 50 steals in the bank with the hopes of, you know, 60 or 70 with the way they were talking about how they were going to let him run and be aggressive. And when you look at how efficient he has been throughout his career on the base pass, it was certainly feasible. And he was off to a great start, you know, stole four bases already, a couple home runs, including the game winner on Sunday against the Mets. And, you know, the one thing I mentioned about Turner was look at last year. He played 162 games. You can never project 162 games for anyone. I mean, the way we are going now, and you're seeing it already, you always have to assume someone's going to go on the DL for at least two weeks. It's just the way the game is now, whether it's a muscle strain. And we saw several guys get hit by a pitch yesterday. It looks like at least Brandon Nimmo averted disaster. The x-rays are negative on him. Luke Voigt got hit by a pitch. He is uh, going to play today and be the DH, but uh, it's a tough break for Turner owners. Uh, it's just a huge loss, and especially in the deeper formats, it's just really difficult to find any type of replacement for that. You have to hope that it's only one month, but it potentially could be longer. Uh, you know, we saw the same thing, Daniel Murphy. We still haven't gotten exact uh, details on him, whether there's ligament damage. But, yeah, that that's one of the biggest losses so far here in fantasy is uh, Trey Turner being out probably at least a month, potentially longer. You know, there are certain guys, and I'm not dissing Danny Murphy when I say this. Danny Murphy, to me, is a great hitter, but you can replace him in some way. You know, you can't replace Aaron Judge's 50 home runs in your lineup. You can't replace Trey Turner. The only other guy you could replace him with is Mondesi, and I'm sure you didn't draft Mondesi with Turner. So it, it, it's it's such a, a crippling blow to a fantasy team because when you have Turner, I'm sure you didn't draft a lot of speed because you thought you were getting it with Turner, and now you're not, and you're in big trouble. Well, I, you would have to dra- draft some other speed. You can't just draft Turner. You know what and, I mean, but and, you really are looking at him as your main guy, and then you, a lot of t- times people say, well, I have the one guy, and then I get guys who get you know five and ten stolen bases. You don't draft another guy like Malik Smith because you can't afford to have two guys on your team like that. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's uh, the, the Turners have to hope that he's only out a month, and they have to hope that they can either find someone sneaky off the waiver wire or make a trade, and then if you're in a league with no trades, you just have to hope that Maybe someone that you drafted surpasses expectations and runs a little bit more, especially during the time that Turner is out. All right, so Milwaukee's playing Cincinnati in what's a very good pitcher's duel here. Freddie Peralta against Luis Castillo. The Brewers are winning one nothing in the top of the seventh. Um, are you surprised that these two pitchers are pitching at this, this high level right now in this game or today? No, not at all. I like Luis Castillo a lot. Uh, drafted him in Tout Wars, drafted him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. There was one draft, though, because he didn't have great velocity in the spring, and it was in the back of my mind, and I actually passed on him in that draft and kind of wish now that I took him, because uh, he had a great second half last year. 
Uh, he's got a, a really good changeup, which he's utilizing more. And, you know, this is a tough Milwaukee lineup. I know they tend to strike out quite a bit, but he's been impressive once again today. Uh, and, you know, Yelich, he walked twice. He's walked three guys. He walked Yelich twice. You can understand that. And they let him bat in the bottom of the sixth inning. So he's out there at the top of the seventh. He's already gotten the first out. He's got a full count right now to Manny Pino, who I believe drove in the lone run today. Uh, so there's a possibility he gets through uh, the seventh here. And, uh, you know, it's been a real good performance for him as he just struck out Manny Pino. That's his ninth strikeout of the game. So I think Castillo, it was weird because I felt like he might have been a better bargain this year, but I, people still didn't discount him enough. And he didn't go as high as last year. But, uh, you know, he's got a really good arm. And there was some concern about the velocity in the spring, but it has not appeared in the first two games. He's looked really sharp. Yeah, there's been no discounts in any leagues that I was in with Castillo. He was going probably in like the eighth or ninth round. He went for like the 10 or 11 bucks in auctions I was in. But I got to give some shout out here to Freddie Peralta. Through six innings, one hit, seven Ks, and only 65 pitches. That is very economical. Yeah, Peralta was someone that really, uh, once he was named into the rotation, he shot up my draft board. I was... Happy to get him in the NFBC auction league in the reserve round because this was before he was named the starter. So I grabbed him and Corbin Burns, and so far, you know, that's looked good. I know Burns gave up three home runs the other day, but he had 12 Ks. Peralta has got this ability. Now, the Reds' lineup has yet to hit. They don't have Yasiel Puig in the lineup today. They don't have Jose Peraza. So when you look at the bottom of the lineup, you got Derek Dietrich, Casale, Iglesias, and Castillo. If you're a major league pitcher, you got to get through that. So uh, he's been very economical today, which is important. Uh, they've kind of used that bubble a little bit. Uh, we'll see how long they keep him in. He's throwing strikes today. You know, he had command issues his first time out. He's got a lot of ability. He doesn't throw hard with his fastball, but it's tough to pick up. And he's throwing uh, from the innings I've seen a lot more breaking pitches today, uh, which is very important. He's got to incorporate that because if he's throwing his fastball most of the time, God, they're going to figure it out, and they're going to be waiting for it. So, uh, And he's not a guy that throws 97-98, but uh, definitely a nice bounce-back start for Peralta, who I do think is going to be erratic. I think he'll be inconsistent. Um, that Young pitcher still trying to figure it out, but you see a game like today with his strikeout ability with 7Ks in six innings. All right, the White Sox are playing the Cleveland Indians. The White Sox are winning in the bottom of the second, four to one. I got two comments for you. One, Corey Kluber is an amazing pitcher, but he's never really very good in the month of April. I've owned him before. And then all of a sudden, like May or June, he, he literally becomes unhittable. But that first month of the season's always rough. And then if you play DFS, I know that people don't like the BVP, but I put it out in my article today on the Daily Dr. Roto. Jose Abreu just always seems to hit Corey Kluber. He's one for two with an RBI and you know it just sometimes BVP works so I know people don't trust it but sometimes there's a reason why it works yeah Kluber has been terrible today he's walked three given up five hits two earned runs they it was an error behind him that opened things up and uh yeah Kluber does typically pitch terrible to begin the year and uh, I wonder if it's the cold weather in Cleveland whatever it is we kind of see this from time to time but uh, I do think that he's not going to be as good as in years past. Uh, there was starting to be a slight decline last year. And uh, one of my bold predictions for Cleveland was that uh, Mike Clevenger has a better fantasy season than Kluber. Well, you'd be right as of right now. All right, the Rockies are playing the Tampa Bay Rays. It's the bottom of the fourth inning. It's a pitcher's duel. There's no score in the game. Herman Marquez, three and two-thirds, one hit, three strikeouts. Charlie Morton, four innings, three hits, three strikeouts. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. This is a very good game here, Adam. This is the two good teams, two good pitchers. The Rays have been uh, have gotten off to a very good start. And the Rockies, maybe not so much, but the Rockies have to. will come back in Coors Field soon, and they'll get a chance to play a lot of games there. Yeah, I think people didn't give Charlie Morton enough credit. Uh, I think people just attribute his success to the Astros. And while they deserve it, Morton's a good pitcher. Uh, I, I liked him this year. I didn't get him in too many leagues. It just didn't work out. But he was definitely someone I was interested in. Rays do a good job managing the pitching staff. You know, they'll make sure to pull him before he sees the order the third or fourth time and guys start to get a read on him. But this guy was starting to put it together in Philly before he went to Houston. His velocity was up. And he got hurt that year where he pitched four games uh, when he – uh, hurt his hamstring and missed the year, but he was throwing the 95-96. Houston, you know, obviously has figured things out, and 
Uh, I think he's going to continue to have success in Tampa. Uh, with Marquez, it's all about uh, can he pitch well in cores? I mean, that's the big question mark for him right now, which is why a lot of people shied away from him. And you can understand why. I mean, you look at a guy being drafted in the top 20, top 25 of starting pitchers, and he's pitching in course field. It's going to give you pause. I mean, we kind of saw it last year with John Gray. Gray's got really good stuff, but he just cannot put it together. Marquez was absolutely dominant in the second half last year. He was good his first time out. That was in Miami against the Marlins. So, you know, you expect him to pitch well there. You expect him to pitch well in Tampa Bay. The real test is when he's going to pitch at home in Coors Field. And while he did have success there, you know, you kind of want to see it over a full season. All right, now the Minnesota Twins, by the way, Byron Buxton then left Tuesday's game with a back injury, and the Twins are playing the Royals. It's the top of the fourth inning. It's one all. And uh, Willens Astudillo, uh, a guy who was a backup catcher, but getting the start at third base, two for two, Adam. This guy was a big hitter last year. I mean, not for a lot of power, but he connected with a lot of average. And here he is batting, what, fifth in the order? And two for two with an RBI today. Yeah, day game after night game, uh, you know, he'll get some at-bats here or there. You know, if you got him as a number two catcher with the state of catching, you'll take two, three starts a week if he can get it. Uh, it's a day game after a night game, so they want to get him in there. Uh, Marvin Gonzalez is off to a, a bad start. You know, they'll have Miguel Sano coming back. So that's the biggest thing is, uh, you know, I don't think they want him behind the plate consistently. You know, he can play other positions, but, you know, the problem is, is where are they going to play him? So... Uh, you see today they got Austin at first base, Adrianza, Adrianza at second base. So they gave some guys the day off because it's the day game after the night game. As far as Buxton, man, I mean, I was watching it. Mondesi crushed the ball to center field, and Buxton went crashing into the wall. Mondesi came around and scored inside the park home run. I think it took him, like, slightly over 15 seconds to get around the bases. But, you know, Buxton, come on, man. I mean, you put on some muscle. You've had these issues before. Why do you keep crashing into the damn wall? So they're off tomorrow. It makes sense to give them off today. Yeah, they, they sounds like it's not serious, and he should be back in there. And it definitely made sense. You got the day game after the night game. You got some back soreness and some ribs. Sit him out. They're off tomorrow. You got to hope he's back in there on Friday. Maybe I've been a little lucky in DFS thus far this year, but the Royals have been a very sneaky team. I, I tend to like do a Merrifield, Mondesi, maybe Solaire or O'Hearn stack. And those guys, when they get on base, man, they, they, they're going to run. So, I mean, you're getting a lot of free points there. So I'm not telling you to run to, to play your Royals, Adam, but it's not the worst stack I've ever heard most nights. Yeah, I think many nights it's not going to work out, but... You know, Mondesi obviously is off to a good start, showing some power. He's got one stolen base. Uh, but for the most part, this is just not a good lineup once you get past the top four. That's a very that's a very good point. All right, so the Yankees are promoting a guy that I like very much, Jonathan Loiziga. Uh, do you see that he has any chance of remaining in this rotation? Or we've got to figure Sabathia's now on the IR, right? I have to done with the suspension. I mean, can this kid stick, or is this just a guy that's going to be in the shuttle all year, up and down from the minors? Yeah, I think he'll be in and out. When Sabathia gets back, he'll be in the rotation. And then, uh, you know, still looks like we're a ways away from Severino, who hasn't thrown off a mound yet. So Herman was pretty good the other day. Obviously, the walks were an issue. I think he has a more dynamic arm, but he's got to show better command. So, yeah, Lewis Eagle could be in and out of the rotation. All right, some notes from last night. Anthony Swarzak comes in. Adam gets off the IL and gets a save. I would assume that he's the closer. I know people picked up a bunch of guys last week, but I would think Swarzak's the guy with Strickland out. Yeah, I put in bits for him. I couldn't get him anywhere because everyone else was thinking of the same thing. So uh, it's amazing. A guy on the DL who has not pitched at all this year, who was terrible last year and hurt, and has really only had one good season in his major league career, was you know highly sought after in free agency, which tells you a lot about the closer position today where we're all just looking to get someone. But I was a little surprised that they brought him into that situation. Marco Gonzalez was tremendous last night. He didn't get any swings and misses. He only struck out three. I think he only had one or two swings and misses too uh, which is not ideal but he finds a way to get it done and there'll be games where his strikeout rate is low but they allowed him to go start the ninth inning it was first and third one out they brought in Swarzak Uh, he got a strikeout and a ground out to end the game so they put him in a high leverage pressurized situation his first time out 
and he got the job done. And there's just not many other options in that bullpen that are appealing. So I would think Swarzak gets the shot to close for now. And if he's somehow available in your league, and most competitive leagues he's not, he was picked up over the weekend. But if you're in a league with first come, first serve, he's out there, you need a closer, go get him. All right, let's take a look also at the Boston Red Sox who lost last night. Mike Tears for Fears actually pitched very well. But Chris Sale, Adam, still the velocity even lower than, than, than expected. We're talking like high 80s. Do you think this is the new version of Sale? I mean, admittedly, he still pitched well, but if he's not ramping it up to 92, 93, there's going to be some issues. Yeah, I don't think it's the new version. You know, there's been a lot of talk. Kind of the Red Sox have asked him to ease back. Again, he didn't pitch much in the spring, but yesterday was not good. I mean, it was 92.77 with his fastball in his first start and 89.86 yesterday. So he only got six swinging strikes. He only got one strikeout. So he was effective, but this is not ideal. And he's going to be a guy to watch over the next few outings because if you have him, there's really not much you can do. You're not. I was going to say, can you can you trade him or no no way? No, you can't. What are you going to get for Chris Sale right now? You're, you're trading him at a, at a low value. Everyone's talking about him. Everyone's aware the velocity is down. Everyone saw he had one strikeout. So, you know, you're not going to get anything in return. I mean, do you think, and I'm not, there's always one guy in a league who maybe still thinks Chris Sale is Chris Sale and might give you full value, or do you think that's just an impossibility at this point? I think those days are pretty much over, man. There's just so much content out there. All it takes is someone to go do a Google search, and you're going to have a bunch of stories pop up, and they just read it, and they go, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Even if they're not watching the game, they're asleep on the East Coast. They see the final line. I think it's much more difficult to do. If you're in a league like that and you got that sucker, hey, take advantage of it. But I just don't see it being that much prevalent anymore. Now you're probably right. All right, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk PGA DFS with my man Jeff Burgesson, the Valero Open, when we return right after this. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. All right, we're back with Major League Baseball season now in full swing. It's time to swing for the fences playing daily fantasy baseball with DailyRoto.com. Become their eighth $1 million winner or another one of the countless number of people who've won hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars using DailyRoto.com to help set their DraftKings or FanDuel lineups. If you're playing MLB DFS and not using DailyRoto.com, you're just doing it wrong. Enter the promo code FNTSY for a 10% discount and you'll get lineup alerts, projected ownership percentages, weather updates, fantasy projections, the use of lineup optimizers that have already produced millions in DFS winnings. That's a 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package at DailyRoto.com. Use promo code FNTSY and get your 10% discount today. All right, time for one of my favorite segments of the week. I'm talking PGA DFS with my friend Jeff Burgesson from Fantasy Golf Insider. What's up, my man? I missed you last week. Yeah, I know. It's a void in my week when I don't chat with you, Doc. But now we got a, a good tournament this week, and then we got the Masters next week. I know. I mean, that, that million dollars is going to be there for somebody, Jeff. You think it's uh, one of us is going to win it? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't bet against us. <laughs> okay. As long as you feel that way, I feel pretty good about that. By the way, have you looked at Masters pricing yet? Is it very soft? As always, yeah, it's very soft. You can construct some all-star lineups. I was just looking at it the other day when it was released. You can pretty much have whoever you want. So, um, yeah, start looking at it. Our site already has tools on it updated with the master's pricing and research stuff. So you can start now if you like. So before we talk Valero, how do, when it's so soft like that, and I'm sure we'll talk about this next week as well, how do you differentiate your lineup? Well, there's a couple ways you can do it. You don't have to spend your entire cap money. Um, and sometimes it, it helps you to uh, come up $500, $600 short of that salary cap because most people, like 80% of lineups will be within two or 300 of that salary cap. So if you go a little bit lower than that, it's a way to differentiate your teams. But if you remember back to last year, a rather chalky lineup ended up winning 
the Masters tournament. Um, and you kind of looked at it and were like, how did that ever win? And, and they didn't even split it either. It was one person who won it with a rather chalky lineup. So uh, you just got to be perfect. That's all. Well, it's not easy being perfect. I tell my right. wife that every night, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the Valero Texas Open, I can tell you one thing about this tournament. It's going to be windy, and it's in Texas in April, and it's going to be a mess there. Do I worry about guys withdrawing? Yeah, there's always that concern. There aren't a whole lot of players in this field that are in the Masters field. Uh, and it's kind of a little extra incentive for guys. If they can somehow win this week, they can get into the field next week. There will be some withdrawals, but as far as guys like um, prepping for the Masters, there just aren't a ton of them in this field playing next week. So that's not really a concern. All right. What about the top end guys? We've got Ricky. We've got Kucher. We've got Finau. I- I'm thinking of fading all those guys this week, maybe because they're looking ahead to the Masters. Do you agree with that idea or not? I personally own a little bit of Fowler and quite a lot of Finau, but I would have no problem with you fading the whole 10K range um, just because you could, there's arguments against all these guys. Spieth has been an absolute mess lately. Um, Kucher coming off a deep run in the match play last week. You know, he's a little bit older. Maybe that took a toll. He's got the Masters next week. Ricky has the Masters next week. Um, so there's arguments against most of these guys. I just like the way Tony Finau sets up for this course. He's been having a good season, not a great season so far. And I, I just feel like he, he's ready to uh, put up a top five finish, and this week could be it. Would you consider this a bomber's course, or is there a lot of trouble out there? Because when I think of Finau, I think of a big hitter. Is he a kind of guy that could take advantage of this course? Yeah, yes. It's a lot more of a bomber's course than we've had over the past month. We've had Copperhead, TPC, Sawgrass, places that are a little bit, you know, have a lot more trouble and more penal to guys who are long off the tee yet a little inaccurate. This week, um, it's not incredibly forgiving, but it's a lot more than we have seen. A comparative course that I've kind of been drawn to that I haven't heard too many people look at is Torrey Pines. Um, We often see a lot of wind uh, at Torrey Pines South. It's a longer course. Um, There is trouble when you get off the beaten path, um, but I I can kind of see some similarities. And looking at the leaderboard the last couple of years, there's a lot of the same names. Yeah, well, let's talk about it. So in terms of course history, is this, I think of this course as, a, as one that would, would go well with course history. Charlie Hoffman's of the world. Will you look at course history extensively at this, at this stop of the tour? You can. Um, one difference, it, it's played at a different time of the year, so they jockeyed the schedule. So usually it's a different event played right before the Masters. So they've switched up time frames. So we're going to have a little bit different weather than we normally have. But I think you see some consistency between finishes for guys. So I think you can use tournament history. I usually factor it in, um, and this week is no different. Um, Yeah, I think absolutely. How's Jim Furyk playing this well at his age? I mean, what fountain of youth is he drinking from? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Every week I think, well, this will be the week that he kind of hits a wall because of his age and everything else, and he consistently is playing better and better. Now, this week will be a true test. Because, like I said, the last few weeks have been on kind of plotting courses where it benefits you uh, to be more accurate. Distance doesn't hurt. This week is going to be a test for him. We'll, we'll see how how um, how good he really is um, with this longer course where he's going to have to be extra good on the greens and in, in his approach game. You mentioned bombers. Is Luke listed a good in a good spot this week? Yeah, I think so, but I thought so last year, too. Um, It's crazy. When you look back at previous years, he was $10,000 last year coming into this event, and he was still owned by 30% of the field. So he was just a massive favorite to do well. And, of course, he missed the cut. Um, This year, you can cut that ownership in half, and he's only 8,000. Kind of the same. He's having the same type of season as he usually does, very inconsistent, great finishes, missed cuts. You can't really bank on him to make the cut. GPP-type player. Um, I own, I actually own about 30% of them this week. Oh, wow, that's a lot. All right, I'll give you yep. two guys here. One is Byung-Hung An. I think I'm on on this week. But Lucas Glover, I may be off this week. Talk me out. Do you like the on move, and do you agree with Glover? Why are you off Glover this week? I don't know. He's disappointed me so often that I've had him on the wrong weeks, and that's why maybe I'm just staying away. You know, he's only really had two bad appearances. That's when I had him. 
Otherwise, he's been exceptional. I've owned him every week this year, and he's had a great, great season. He's got top 15s in every event except for two, of which he really blew up and missed the cut. And I'm sure if you had him, it it hurt you bad. Um, And I did, but he's just been too good. He's a great ball striker. Uh, You look at his statistics over the last couple of months, they've been phenomenal in just about every category. Uh, I own him again this week. I think he'll be a good fit. Ben Ahn is another guy who I was high on coming into the season. I've rostered him just about every event, and he's been very good. Uh, he hasn't missed a cut in a couple of months. Uh, he should be a good fit for this course as well. All right, so I'll, I'll get back on the Glover train, and if I win, I'll thank you. I'll credit you for it 100%. Jeff Burgess. Just That's so he doesn't have another 80 in, on Thursday. Right? <laughs> I'm going to find you in Minnesota, hunt you down. <laughs> All right. Now, your boy, Hatong Lee, you've been on this guy a lot this year. Is this a sneaky spot for him? I think so, because people are going to see the miscuts the last two events for him. But again, you have to factor what courses they've been on. Tong is a scorer. He's long off the tee, not necessarily that accurate. So he's struggled the last couple of events he's played because they've been shorter, uh, really hard, court, hard courses for inaccurate players. Now we get a little bit more forgiving course. People are going to be sick of him missing the cut for him the last couple of weeks. I think he's a little bit sneaky, so I like him this week. All right, I'll give you two guys. One, I think there's a narrative there with Answer, you know, being from that area. And then Johnny Vegas, who has my all-time favorite golf name. Do we like either of these guys this week? Yeah, there is that narrative. Answer lives in San Antonio, obviously played the course a lot. Hasn't had great success here in the past, but he hasn't been as good as he has been this year. So you have to kind of take that in, into account. Um, I do own Answer. I do own a little Johnny Vegas this week, but he always, your Lucas Glover is my Jonathan Vegas because he hurts me every time I roster him. And he's been pretty darn good this year. Um, He's a Texas graduate, UT Longhorn. um, So he's familiar with Texas and the wind that can pick up. Hasn't had a great amount of success here in the past, which is a little bit troubling. But if you look at him statistically, he should be a good fit this week. So that's why I'm owning a little bit. I probably won't be overweight, though. All right, I'm talking to Jeff Bergerson from FantasyGolfInsider.com. It's one of my favorite sites out there. If you play PGA DFS, I need you to check it out. So, Jeff, Adam Ronis has the Adam algorithm. He plays everybody, every golfer with the first name Adam. I tend to play the golfers with the first name Ryan after my son. So, Ryan Moore, Ryan Palmer, do we like them this week? <laughs> I don't like either Ryan this week, actually. <laughs> um, Palmer has had a lot of success here in the past. He's pretty streaky. He just does. I'm going other places in this mid 8K range that I didn't have room for him. Um, he just doesn't do that much for me. Ryan Moore, um, yeah, I mean, he's been playing pretty well lately. Missed the cut last time out and has had some success here. Uh, he's a pretty spendy, though, for what else you can get in that low 9K range. And I'm owning Kokrak, Glover, and Han, so I just didn't have any room for, for more this week. Probably not a terrible play. Uh, I just I don't, I don't have room for him this week. I didn't mention Kokrak. I've never been a fan, but he's been very hot this year. Is this another week to ride the Kokrak wave? Yeah, tell me about it. I hate Kokrak. Uh, he, he has irritated me for years I've picked him, and he's been terrible. He's been outstanding this year. This is a good course for him. And I you know, I think we're gonna get another top ten out of him this this week. And he's only ninety four hundred, which I thought was a little bit light. I thought he should be in an upper nine Ks when you factor in how good he's been lately and statistically how good of a fit he is. All right, let me give you some cheaper guys here. Um, JT Poston, Bud Cauley, uh, Nick Taylor. When we roster these guys, are we praying for a win or are we just hoping for a top 10? Oh, if you can get a top 10 out of a low 7K guy, you are extremely happy. Um, all of those guys that you mentioned, I think, are legitimate and rosterable this week. Throw in like a Dylan Fratelli at 7,300 and a Matt Jones at 7,200. Now, remember, with these lower guys, don't, don't overexpose your, your, all of your rosters. So if you're doing 10 rosters or even five rosters, you don't need to own them on all of them. You know, own them on one or two uh, because their chances of missing the cut are a lot higher than the guys in the 10K range or even the 9K range. So have exposure, but don't go crazy on these guys. 
All right. Normally, when I think of Texas golf and the winds, I, I think of the Australians. And Aaron Badley is a guy who sometimes he's brilliant and then sometimes he lives up to his name. He just plays badly. How do we know when we t- when to trust him? He's been good this this year recently, and he's been good at this course. He's just I mean, he's been around forever, and he's just never been anything special. Um, I think there's something to him this week. Um, I, I don't know. No one's going to own him, I don't think, because there's so many other better options. He's right next to Charlie Hoffman, who people seem to like. I like Badly a little bit better than Hoffman. Um, so I'm okay with with him this week. All right, let me give you a guy, Joaquin Neiman, uh, a young guy, and I'll, I'll talk about Sanjay Im, two guys, two young guys who I really love their potential. Uh, Im has really taken off this year. Neiman has really struggled a little bit this year. Do we like either of those guys this week? Well, with I like Im better, but he's also 10,100, and I don't have room for him because I'm elected to go with uh, Finau and all of those guys that I mentioned the 9K range. Im has been very good. I've rostered him most every week this year, and he's been outstanding for the most part. Neiman is a little bit more of a wild card, but you get him for 7,600. So there's a little bit less risk involved with him. Uh, super young, um, but I think his ball striking is coming around. It's been a little bit better. He was very good last season and then um, kind of hit hit a wall this year for a while, but he seems to have bounced out of it. We haven't seen any big finishes from him, so I wouldn't expect anything huge. But again, at 7,600, if you can get a top 20 out of him, you're probably pretty happy. All right, let me give you a couple of names of guys who I don't I don't usually trust them, but they're good players. Billy Horschel and Daniel Berger. Both guys had have, have shown have flashed before, Horschel especially at certain times. Do we like either of them this week? Horschel has, has which is weird, he's been very good in Texas events. Uh, I don't know what the correlation is. Um, maybe it's wind. Uh, he's a possibly at ninety eight hundred. I don't have room for him this week. Um, and the other guy you said was Daniel Berger, who's having kind of a rough year. He had one great performance, and the rest has been not very good. So I don't have any Daniel Berger, and uh, statistically he hasn't been good either and only has one appearance here, which he missed the cut. So I just don't have a lot of interest in him this week. All right, I'm going to give you a few more names. Guys like, and, and these are guys to me like Juice Luton, Denny McCarthy, Joel Dahman, that some weeks they're great and some weeks they're terrible. And I just find like I don't know how to predict them, Jeff. What, what do we do with guys like that? Yeah, especially when you're talking about Lauten, who is a European tour guy. You, it's hard to know what to expect. At least a guy like Hao Tong Lee, who generally plays on the Euro Tour, has some PGA Tour events this year. Loudon, it's the first event because he's been very good in Europe. I think he'll be low-owned. I think if you can take a stab on him, I wouldn't bank a ton into him because there's just unpredictability when you come over here. Um, And then McCarthy just um, has been playing pretty well lately. He's a younger guy on tour. Uh, Had a good appearance here last year. I'm okay with owning some McCarthy, although the 80-weight, $8,100 price tag for him seems a little bit high because I think you can get guys equivalent to his value um, down in the lower 7K range this week. What about D, DJ Trahan? Would you, would you uh, 6,700? I like him as a sleeper this week. Are you buying into it? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, statistically, he looks good. Um, he's been playing well lately. I, I do own some Trahan at 6,700. All right. You know, I always ask you these two questions. Give me a guy who's going to win, and then give me a guy who's a sleeper under the radar guy. Uh, I think Finau will win this week. Uh, so I would uh, bet on him. You're not going to get great odds on him, long odds. Uh, if you're looking for kind of a mid-range guy, uh, probably Kokrak, I think, has a chance to win this week. And if you're looking for a real long shot, uh, I'll go with Matt Jones. Um, he's a, he's an Australian guy. You mentioned that. So um, I think he's been playing well lately, and, and he could break out. All right. So tell me what you're going to be doing for the Masters. I know it's in a week, but this is a big. This is this is one of the big ones, Jeff. How do you prepare for the Masters tournament? It's so good. Like DirecTV has their their featured coverage where they show different holes and different players. So I will have that on all day, all four days, and just enjoy it. I, I love the Masters. It's such a great event. Uh, that's how I'll be enjoying it. How, how are you going to watch it, Doc? Oh, no, I'm going to watch it. I meant how are you going to prepare for it? Like, do you look for guys who maybe they've never played the Masters before? Can you ever roster a guy who hasn't played there before? Um, I think you can. I would prefer not to. The funny thing about the Masters is it's such a small field, and then they have the guys who, 
you could shave off like 10 to 15 guys off of the field that just have no chance to win because they've won it before. So they're grandfathered in, but some of the guys are like 50, 60 years old playing. So it really limits the field. So um, I would build your core just like you always do every other week. Um, Shave off those guys. Um, Go with guys who have had great success there, and it takes a certain type of player. And we can dive into that next week, but um, it's very apparent who does well there every year. Um, And just narrow down your field and build, you know, as many teams as your bankroll allows and give yourself a chance at that million bucks. All right, looking forward to talking to you next week. Jeff Ferguson, Fantasy Golf Insider. Talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks, Doc. All right, guys, coming back right after this with more Fantasy Baseball. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. All right, we're back. We're Scout Fantasy Sports. Dr. Otto here with Adam Ronas. Remember, check out DynastyKing.com for your Dynasty NFL needs. And I know I need it, Ronas. I need to be paying attention to the NFL. Uh, There's a lot of buzz going out about uh, Josh Rosen being gone from the Cardinals. Who do you think gets him, Adam? Uh, I don't know. Obviously, the Giants could be a potential team in the mix. But, yeah, it looks like they're going to go with Murray at pick one. Yeah, that looks like to be the case. So remember, DynastyKing.com. Be part of Dynasty NFL, and you can be playing uh, year-round. And also check out ScoutDFS.com. i got to give good kudos to both Steve Renner, who called the Diamondback stack, which I played, and Chris Rose, who called the Mets stack, which I played. Those guys were, those were very contrarian plays last night, Adam, and both those guys hit big. So I appreciate all their time and work there. The Mets were contrarian yesterday? Well, I thought they were... Not, I don't think a lot of people had them. I mean, he, Chris's comment was, Urena was injured. He had a bad knee. This should be a good game for the Mets. Let's play, play to the top order. And I listened, and I had you know Nemo, and I had Conforto, and I had, um, who else did I have? And Ramos. Okay. Yeah, I figured that, uh, a lot of, that the Mets would be popular, but... They were, I mean, they weren't unpopular, but the Diamondbacks thing was a little, un, little off. That was a little weird, wasn't it? Um... Probably, yeah. I guess they've gotten off to a slow start. Maybe people look at Lauer's first start, but, you know, they were going against lefty and they loaded up with right handed bats. So they don't have the, you know, eye popping right handed power bats. So I could see people not playing them. All right, let's take a look at the night slate. Um, the Cardinals are playing the Pirates. Miles Mikolas going up against Jamison Tyon. Tyon struck. Both guys struggled the first time out. Uh, who do you like in this game, Adam? Uh, don't. I mean, if I'm picking one, it's Tyon. I mean, I think he's better than what he's shown, but Cardinals are definitely a tough lineup. Uh, I know they've been up and down, but and Michaelis for for DFS, the problem with him is he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, even though Pirates not a good offense right now. So uh, I'm not really in love with either guy here today. Yeah, it should be it could be a low scoring game and a lot of wind going on. I don't think the ball's gonna be leaving that park. All right, Chicago against Atlanta, John Lesta against Julio Tehran. This could be a mess here, Adam. I I think I might stack this game. Oh yeah, for sure. I think, you know, you could look at a lot of the bats in this game. I think uh Rizzo's a good play here, uh, against the righty Tehran and he really struggles against left handed bats and allows a lot of hard contact. So uh Definitely could look at some of the bats on Chicago, and Rizzo would be one of them for me. What about on Atlanta? I mean, I, I, I'm not a John Lester guy. Would you go Donaldson? Would you go with like a Donaldson, Acuna type of thing there? Uh, I would not play Donaldson yet. He hasn't hit, but Acuna, yes, uh, for sure. But uh, wouldn't wouldn't go with Donaldson just yet. All right, I'm going to give people something that's counterintuitive here. The Astros are playing Texas. Jared Cole is get, playing uh, pitching against Mike Miner. It's a small slate tonight. There's only five games. You know the Astros are going to be heavily, heavily owned. I think it's not the worst contrarian play to just flip the switch at them and, and, and stack your tech. Don't go crazy tonight. Pay, pay cheap, but maybe stack some Rangers. And if you get lucky, if Cole's a bad night, you could be my rich friend. 
You could. I mean, that's uh, it, for tournaments, obviously. You're not doing that in cash. Uh, I'd expect Cole, though, to come out and uh, have a really good performance. I know it's in Texas, but we saw the other night there was a 2-1 game. Right. So are you going to stack your Astros then tonight, I assume? Uh, I don't think you have to, um, but, but they will be popular. And I know they've disappointed so far. They might not be as popular. I think people might be like, oh, they're not hitting. But it's definitely a good spot for those bats. All right, let's get to Boston against Oakland. Um, Marco Estrada, a fly ball pitcher. The Red Sox are 1-5. and five. They look terrible out there. Is this one of those nights that you get on the Red Sox bandwagon and you hope they fix the problems? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know kind of that was probably the thinking yesterday against Fires. It didn't work out, but it's a new day, and these uh, they're too good to be this bad for a long time. And there's going to be a night where they explode and – uh, they could be low on tonight, so uh, I would still roll with some Red Sox bats. All right, the uh, Giants are playing the Dodgers. I love Ross Stripling. I really do, but I worry that this guy's only going to throw like four and two-thirds innings tonight. They may be magical, but I don't know if I'm going to get the win here. Uh, it depends. I mean, we saw Urias only go five the other night, but the bullpen blew it. Uh, it's a small slate, so I'm I'm okay with going with Stripling. And most starters are not going deep in the games now, anyway. You know, when you look at the slate tonight, you know how many of these starters do you expect to go deep outside of Garrett Cole? Maybe Michaelis, maybe Tyon, but a lot of these guys are not going to go deep. Uh, so I would take the shot. Uh, Giants are just not a potent offense, so uh, I would take the shot. I think Stripling is really good. Dodgers are minus 185 favorite. So uh, on a night where it's only five games and you're kind of limited for options, I, I would roll with uh, Stripling. So would you roll with Cole here no matter what? I mean, and just work around that? I think it's hard not to. Uh, I mean, that's the only guy that I really feel comfortable paying up for. And uh, he did uh, have a few dominant starts against Texas last year. So... Um, I think uh, Cole dominates tonight. All right, let's take a look at some of these afternoon games. I glanced over them here. We've got the Arizona Diamondbacks against the uh, Padres, Robbie Ray against Joey Lucchese. Uh What do you think about this game here? Uh, I think R- Robbie Ray is just too difficult to predict. Uh, as you know, I, I, I hate watching him pitch. He is the, one of the most frustrating pitchers to watch because he works deep counts. His pitch count elevates. Yeah, he gets the strikeouts, but, you know, people forget about the whip. So that's uh, the over-under is very low at seven. So they're not expecting a lot. San Diego's a favorite, minus 135. Uh, Ray's always capable of coming out and dominating. That's the thing is you just don't know what he's going to do in a given game. You know, last time out he had nine strikeouts in five innings, but he walked five and he allowed a home run. So uh, that's, that's why I'm not a fan of him, just because he's too inconsistent. People get enamored by the strikeouts but a guy rarely goes past five six innings and i know most pitchers are like that nowadays but uh with him it's just frustrating to watch him pitch all right baltimore is playing toronto nate carnes again match against matt shoemaker schumacher actually was pretty darn good the last game and carnes has always had decent stuff he just can't stay healthy um do we like anything in this game here or not really uh i think the orioles are probably uh, headed to the playoffs with the way they've started their four and one. So, uh, dude, the blue Jays lineup has just been pathetic. Uh, but Carnes is probably not going to go deep. You know, his, uh, last time out, they only let him throw two innings. So I think they're still trying to build him up. So shoemaker would be someone if you're paying, playing that slate that I think you can use. He was very good his first start. And we've seen flashes from him where he has stretches where he's really good and, and induces ground balls. The problem with him is just, uh, the inability to stay healthy, but, uh, this is a spot for him where I think he can have success today. All right, and the Mets play the Marlins. Jacob DeGrom against Trevor Richards. Richards is a, is a surprisingly underrated pitcher, but, I mean, DeGrom is one of the top three in baseball. Uh, Richards has a nasty changeup. It was on display first time out, just a lot of movement. Uh, DeGrom is the heavy favorite tonight. Mets uh, minus 210 favorites, over under 6.5. So, yeah, I mean, 
paying up for DeGrom certainly makes sense uh, in Miami in that ballpark against that lineup, which really doesn't have a lot of power. And I knew this. I joked the other day on Monday when I was going over lineups. I said, oh, it's, look at this. Starlin Castro hitting cleanup for this team. And what happened? He's proceeded to homer in each of the last two I even said it that night. I go, watch. <laughs> He's going to make me look stupid and hit two two-run homers tonight. He had one two-run homer on Monday and another homer on yesterday. But, yeah, this is a lineup when Jacob DeGrom is on. I mean, he should dominate. Even if he doesn't even have his best stuff, he's still going to go out there and pitch well. I didn't think he had his best stuff against Washington on opening day, and he had a really good outing. If I'm Castro, I want to hit as much as humanly possible so I can get the hell out of Miami. Yeah, I guess, but we kind of, everyone thought the same thing last year, and he never got traded. Because maybe people thought he sucked? I don't know, but if, he, if he's no, hitting people, 10, 10 up... People know what Castro is. Everyone maybe that's the problem. Maybe they know what he is. That's the problem. Right, so I don't think anything he can do uh, to hit is going to change anything. I just don't think he's a highly desirable commodity. I mean, he he's had one year of 20-plus home runs, and that's when he played at Yankee Stadium. He's just he's not a big power guy. He's a 15-homer guy. All right, my, I glanced over the Yankees against the Tigers. So here's the Yankees' confirmed lineup. LeMahieu is bleeding off, then Judge, then Voigt, Sanchez, Gliber's moved up for five now, Bird six, Frazier, Tulowitzki, and Talkman. That is a lineup I never thought I think I thought I'd be saying at some point, Adam. Yeah, they have a lot of injuries right now, and it's uh, a tough time for them at this point with Andujar out, Hicks out. Uh, they just got a lot of injuries right now, and they're uh, trying to battle through it. And uh, you're going to get this type of makeshift lineup uh, quite a bit here for the Yankees over the next couple of weeks with these guys out. Well, I know we were talking about Gliber Torres, and uh, look, he, he's got a lot of value now with all these injuries. He's moved up in the order. We said that he was going to need some injuries to move up, and he has. So, all right, let's take a look at the games in the afternoon. The Brewers and the Reds are now at the top of the ninth inning. Uh, Peralta, eight innings, two hits, 11 strikeouts out. And this has been a gr- and only 100 pitches in eight innings. What a magical start for him. Yeah, and this is the uh, tease of Peralta. He was terrible his first outing. He could not find the strike zone. Today, he just can't be hit. Just two hits allowed, walked none. That is the big thing. That was the problem the first time out. No walks, that's what you want to see. 100 pitches, 72 for strikes. So, look, I like Peralta. He was worth drafting. He was going so late in drafts because most of this preseason, we didn't know what his role was going to be. They never named him into the starting rotation, I believe, until the final week. So when people were drafting, they didn't know if he would be in the rotation. So I understand. But once it became official, that was a guy that you had to move up in your rankings. And, you know, I was able to get him uh, in a couple leagues, uh, even in leagues before he was named to the rotation. You know, towards the end, reserve rounds decided to take a shot because he has a big arm. But there will be inconsistency. I mean, the first two starts are kind of epitomizes the frustration level that you might have with Peralta and we'll see if he can build off this but certainly an encouraging start today in Cincinnati and he had to do it I mean that lineup was just depleted today you got to take advantage of this all right the White Sox are beating the Indians now at six to one Corey Kluber out of the game three and a third four earned runs and uh, Jose Abreu once again I told you two for three three RBIs that was the matchup to have but the the White Sox are uh, putting a, doing a number on the Indians here and the Indians have no bullpen Adam so I don't know how they're going to win this game well they have no offense that's the biggest problem for this team and you know this is a team that I worry about getting off to a terrible start and potentially you know trading. Uh, some of these starting pitchers. We've heard it heavily rumored for a long time now about Kluber and Bauer and, you know, especially being linked to the Padres. And uh, I expect the Padres to be a pretty aggressive team. Uh, We've already seen it, bringing Tatis up, signing Machado. So uh, this is something to keep an eye on. I mean, you got Jordan Luplo hitting third today. Uh, Look at this bottom of the lineup. Greg Allen, Perez, Maroff, and Stamets. I mean, this is just an absolute pathetic lineup. That's a triple A A lineup right there. They're hoping to get uh, Jason Kipnis back soon, and he'll help. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of him, but he's definitely an improvement on what they have. And obviously, they're waiting for Lindor, but that could be another month. But uh, yeah, this is just a pathetic lineup right now uh, for a team that has... The starting pitching they do, uh, I would be really disgusted as an Indians fans right now with what they have done here or lack of in the offseason. It's just inexcusable. I mean, at least, look, I'm not a huge Adam Jones fan at this point, but he's gotten off to a good start. How do they not sign, at least sign Adam Jones? Would it have been the biggest solution? No. 
but you got to go out and do something. You didn't even have to pay that much for Adam Jones. Hardly anyone was interested in him. Look how long he stuck around. You couldn't go out and sign him to a one-year contract for four or five million with incentives. It's that bad that you couldn't do that. Well, speaking of that bad, the Twins are playing the Royals. And how does a guy like Homer Bailey stay in baseball? I mean, five innings, three earned runs. The Twins are up 3-1 here. Estudillo is 2-2 two two with, with an RBI. I mean, how do these bad pitchers just hang around? Nah, it's just, you know, he's had some flashes in the past. He's actually had a pretty good line today. He struck out eight in five innings. So uh, not a terrible line for him considering, uh, you know, and I do think the Twins have a, a pretty good lineup, even though, uh, they got a lot of guys resting, and the bottom four are, are not uh, imposing. But, you know, he's had success in the past, and injuries have really hurt him, and guy got paid a lot of money. So uh, I think that's why he still gets a shot, because he has sh- uh, shown ability in the past. All right, a tremendous pitcher's duel in Tampa. It's 0-0 in the top of the seventh. Herman Marquez still on the, on, the, on the mound. Six innings, six strikeouts, only 75 pitches. Charlie Morton's out of the game after six innings with 88 pitches. He had six strikeouts. I mean, look, there's just going to be games that uh, your hitters aren't going to do anything, and this is one of them, Adam. Yeah, not surprising because uh, Morton's a very good pitcher. Uh, it felt like you know people didn't give him enough credit for what he's done the last couple of years, and Tampa does a nice job with pitchers and Marquez on the road uh, in this spot. You know, he's going to have success. You know, six innings of uh, three hits, two walks, and six Ks. He's only at 75 pitches. So, uh, people who drafted Marquez are definitely happy with the first couple starts of the season. And, you know, they'll return to Coors Field, and that's going to be the uh, big test for him. And, you know, he aced it last year. Uh, can he do it again? You know, most times we don't see a lot of people have success over the long haul at course. So uh, uh, very interested to see what he can do. All right. And finally, the Nationals are beating the Phillies six to four in the top of the fifth. Uh, Annabelle Sanchez. I was never a big, big fan of this guy. Four innings, four hits, four walks, three strikeouts. And Nola is officially out of the game after three innings, letting up three home runs. Uh, are you surprised to see so much fireworks in this game? No, I mean, look, the Nationals uh, are off to a poor start. They're one and three. Uh, they faced some good pitchers so far, so you know they were going to hit. And uh, Nola is the big surprise here, you know, especially getting staked to some early runs, and he had a tough time today. And uh, his first outing wasn't—he was able to persevere after issuing several walks, but uh, you know, not the sharpest start to the season for Nola. But again, only two games. I still think he'll be one of the better pitchers by the end of the year. All right, so who do you have coming up in hour number two, Adam? I uh, got Mike Florio from Fantrax. Isn't he with uh, Pro Football and, and other places too? NFL, yeah. Yeah, he's with NFL. Did he break some story recently? Was it the, was it the AFL, AFF story that he broke? Oh, uh, that's the wrong Mike Florio. Oh, there's two Mike Florios? Yeah, the guy who used to work he, at FNTSY. Yeah, no, that guy I know. All right, by the way, did you see that Buzz Williams got signed to be the new head coach at Texas A&M, leaving Virginia Tech? Yeah, I mean, that's been rumored for weeks, and they made it official. Look, let me, I'll just tell you something, because I know those people down there. I know people on the board of Texas A&M. You know how much they overpaid that guy? Tons. Probably country club memberships. You name it. When they want to win, like when they brought in Jimbo Elliott, they pay their guys a lot of money, dude. Yeah, hard to say no to that if you're being offered it. Yes, I think they're looking for a play-by-play guy, Adam. You should contact them. I will. pay you. I'm in. College Station's beautiful this time of year. I promise you. Is it? No, I'm just saying. Just throwing it out there. It is beautiful in the fall, though, when they play football. Have you seen a college, a big, have you seen college football at a big stadium yet? Not live and in person, no. Yeah, if you do that, you'll love it. It's really good. All right, guys. I'm out of here. This is Dr. Roto saying be well and take care. We've got another hour here with uh, Scout Fantasy Sports with Adam Rono, so keep it right here. Remember, a couple of things I want you at ScoutDFS.com. Remember, sign up. Great stuff from Chris Rose, Rob Garriak, and Steve Renner. And, of course, DynastyKing.com. If you want to play Dynasty Fantasy Football, please be part of what we're doing there. There's orphan teams, and we can start drafting. You can start drafting now if you know where the rookies are going to go. That's DynastyKing.com. Back right after this. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sport Network.